You are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, welcome, welcome in football fans to another episode of the Locked On NFL podcast here, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's Tuesday, which means I'm here with Ross Jackson of Locked On Saints. I'm Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings, and today's episode is brought to you by Pepsi. Of course, this season is a lot different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These are the passionate fans who are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels, because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. And today on the show, we're going to talk about the Bears and Rams on Monday Night Football. We are going to talk about a couple of uh, gripes, I guess, that Ross and I have. And of course, we have the Tuesday Fantasy Forum with Marcus Mosher, who's got a hot take of his own. But First, Ross, how you doing, man? Hey, not bad, not bad at all. We had a nice uh, kind of, uh, we had a really fantastic weekend of football, whether it be college or or NFL. We had a great sports weekend, and then we capped it off with the, the Bears and Rams. The sleepiest affair. <laughs> we started with the Eagles and the, and the, and, and the Cowboys, yeah. and we finished with the Bears and Rams. Yeah, but that, that Eagles-Giants game was awesome. I don't care what anybody That's says. Fair. I love that kind of like That's chaotic, yeah. terrible game. This one, not so much. The Rams end up taking down the Bears 24-10 to in a game that really showed, I think, the difference between two teams who are, are doing different things with their struggling quarterbacks. You know, you have Nick Foles on one hand, 20 for 40 for 261 yards and two interceptions, and Jared Goff's kind of similar stat line, 23 for 33 for 219 yards and two touchdowns. And that kind of ends up being the difference in, in that one, in that like the the Rams had the ability to kind of scheme for Jared Goff. Jared Goff didn't look like great in this one, but the Rams were able to use that wide zone scheme to give him opportunities for easy completions to make him look better than he actually was. The Bears aren't really doing that with Nick Foles. And now the Bears are, are five and two, but the way that they looked in this game and the kind of narrative surrounding them that the collapse is imminent i think if you're a bears fan you gotta kind of be worried yeah no absolutely and there's under i mean there's there's reasons to understand there i mean you look at nick Foles, who took over for mitch trubisky against the atlanta falcons he came in in the fourth quarter of that game and threw three touchdowns over the last four games since then he's only thrown three touchdowns. So it has not been great uh, for that Bears offense at all. And I think it's just, I mean, you can see the difference between how a creative coach, a creative offensive mind can make up for the shortcomings of a quarterback in one system versus what it looks like in another system where the coach isn't that creative and can't create that type of a system. And that's super disappointing for a guy like Matt Nagy, who was supposed to come in from the college ranks and like bring his new nice scheme and like reinvigorate, you know, the Bears. Uh, And now, so he's played 40 games as the head coach of the Bears. 16 of those, they haven't crossed 20 points. That's abysmal. Yeah. So now they're sitting at five and two and their upcoming games are against the Saints, the Titans, the Vikings and the Packers. Mm hmm. So you could very easily end up going one and three over that stretch. You'd be at a mediocre six and five with a game coming up against the division rival Lions. And they've had some weird games against the Lions. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you're looking at this, like what happened to Matt Nagy's Bears thing. And that's the kind of thing that could maybe get a coach ousted. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, no, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. I mean, that's the type of situation that is 
built for <laughs> moving on from a coach, especially one that made a change at the quarterback position and may potentially have to make another change at the quarterback position. We've seen this with the Bears before. Rather, we've seen this with Nick Foles before. We've seen this with other teams around the NFL before. Sure, they make this change for quarterback, then they end up changing back. And then they have so there's so many opportunities here to where, you know, you look at Nick Foles' performance over the last few games. And this is not, I mean, look, the, one of the reasons we hear all the time about how like, oh, the the Chicago Bears at the time were five and one, but everybody treats them like they're one and five. And now here they are at five and two. And people are going to talk about them like they're two and five, one and five still. But you look at one of the things is that five and two teams are not created equally. I mean, right now, according to ESPN stats and info, the Bears are five and two, but they've been outscored by a couple of points, by two points so far this season. In total, like over all the games. Yeah. Yeah, in terms of their point differential so far. And so, I mean, you know, they're a team that has struggled. And when you go out there and you put up 10 points, seven of which scored by Eddie Jackson on a fumble recovery for a touchdown. So your offense only put up three points on a game against a, you know, a relatively weak defense that we've seen from the Los Angeles Rams. Not bad, but can be scored on. Yeah, this, not elite, yeah. Yeah, this has been – this is not going to be a, a pleasant season for Chicago Bears fans if this continues to go the, the route that it's going. And then you look at the Rams. We've talked about the Rams a couple times on this show, but they've got a little bit of that like 2017, 2018. You know, McVay has his players, at least on the offensive side, playing better than the sum of their parts. And that's like what you want out of your coach and out of like your scheme, right? You know, you have somebody like Jared Goff. He is not a drop back, pick you apart, West Coast kind of quarterback. He's somebody that needs a little bit of help, but you don't ever have to stop giving him that help. If you can keep giving him that help and it keeps working, that's something you can kind of ride all the way into January. Yeah, and they've got, what, three three running backs now? Daryl Henderson, Malcolm Brown, and Cam Akers that they can rotate and then also find some production on the ground as well, which worked really effectively. And sometimes your punter takes over and sometimes their punter kicks watermelons, according to the uh, <laughs> according to according to the commentators there. But no, I mean, uh, you know, Hecker and the the hidden yardage game was big for for the Rams a couple of times. What was it? Four punts within the ten yard, like four punts within twenty. You saw a couple of those fall within the five as well. I mean, it was a a fantastic game for for them in that area of the game because if you pin that defense, that offense, excuse me, back within the five, that's a ten percent chance, a fifteen percent chance of scoring for that offense and then if they can't get out of their own their own territory then you end up capitalizing on that with your offense as you come back on the field after they have to punt deep in their own territory and you've got great field position so that type that part of the game was huge for them too yeah it's small but like incrementally you know it adds up you know you do that five times over the course of the game and it looks like your punter is taking over the game which sort of happened but to me the story of this game was the defensive lines. The defensive lines kind of took over this game on both sides of the ball. You know, Aaron Donald was Aaron Donald, Khalil Mack was Khalil Mack, and the Bears even have like a whole bunch of guys on on their team that are like, I, I guess like overshadowed by Khalil Mack a little bit. But, you know, you've got like Roy Robertson Harris and Akeem Hicks, and he got a couple penalties, but he overall had like a very disruptive game. And I think that's like the secret to the Bears. You know, if the Bears are going to pull this out and, you know, keep that five and two momentum and end up finding their way into the playoffs and making any noise, it's going to be because that defensive line is keeping them in games long enough for the offense and all of its problems to figure out a way to score on the other team. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be interesting to watch to see if the they're going to be able to keep Chicago, if they're going to be able to keep this afloat um, and and not find a way to sink here after uh, a couple of disappointing performances and, and particularly this disappointing performance here on Monday night football. But regardless, they're still five and two. 
Uh, the Rams now one of three teams in the NFC West that are also five and two that have five wins. Then you have a four, four win team right behind them as well. So um, NFC West, a lot of fun to watch. The bears are going to be interesting to watch as we move ahead here. And as we continue to move ahead, just, you know, like <laughs> We've got a lot of things that we still have left to talk about. We're not done when it comes to the defensive line play here. We've still got more to touch on here with the uh, sort of hills that Luke and I are ready to die on. So we'll get back around to a couple of these topics here in just a moment here on our uh, Tuesday episode of Locked on NFL. Uh, And, you know, look, this season will be different and it already has been different. And Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you choose to watch this season. I'm covering the Saints. Luke covers the Vikings. There's a lot to be interested in, even in these two clubs, especially as the trade deadline inches closer and closer as well to see what type of movement happens around the NFL and how it potentially changes the complexion of the league and Pepsi is a refresher that you need to power through game day and become a member of the league of football watches. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching, go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. Okay. Ross, do your windshield wipers leave streaks by chance? Mine do. All right, so if you want to hack for that, take your take a rag, uh, put some vinegar on it, and wipe down your windshield bla- your windshield Ooh. wipers. Yeah, that should get rid of like some of the the streaks. And if that doesn't work, your windshield wipers might actually be damaged. You might need new blade refills. But instead of paying for a whole new windshield wiper setup that could get really expensive, you can go to rockauto.com. You enter your make, your year, and your model, and it'll like navigate you to all of the different brands and stuff. Make sure you get something that is compatible with your car, and you can get new windshield wiper blades for like less than three bucks. They're super cheap for just the blade, uh, and that's a lot safer, especially now in this season, you know, autumn sleet season. So head on over to rockauto.com and in the How You Heard About Us section, let them know that Locked On sent you. Rock Auto, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all of the parts your car will ever need. All right, Ross, so we were talking before we started recording, and I guess you and I have a couple of uh, little little annoyances, little things that are getting on our nerves that maybe we want to get off of our yeah. chest. So yeah. I guess let's start with you. What is your hill you want to die on? What is the thing that has been bothering you that you want to get out there right now? Yeah. All right. So let me, let's set the scene for a second first. Like I, I, I understand, <laughs> okay. right? Let's go on a journey. <laughs> let's go on a journey, right? Imagine if you will. Um, <laughs> I, I, I get it. I get it a hundred percent. Cam Newton has struggled over these past couple of weeks. And uh, in particular in this, this past week, you know, them playing in this game and, and him just not looking good at all uh, against San Francisco 49ers. They drop this game, New England does, 22-6. to six. But I don't care how poorly Cam Newton performs. Under no circumstances should Jeff Garcia look at Cam Newton's poor performance and use that as an opportunity to come out and tell Cam Newton what he should and shouldn't wear away from the football field. That just drives me absolutely nuts. And this is something that Jeff Garcia did. He was on his television show and there's this clip that's circulating about him right now. that got a whole bunch of play about him insulting Cam Newton about how if he was playing that level of quarterbacking, which by the way, not if, when. And so when he was talking about playing that level of quarterbacking, that he wouldn't try to draw attention to himself and all this other stuff and that he wouldn't be dressing all flamboyantly, quote unquote, and that he would instead be like, um, he talked about hiding into the the cart of jock straps and then getting somebody to like wheel him in um so that people wouldn't see him come in through the front door it was 
Very strange. Yeah. Well, he called them jock socks, but you know what he's talking about. Um, it was very strange. And he just went on this whole, whole thing about why like Cam Newton should not be dressing. Um, I mean, dressing the way that he wants to dress. Like that's the reality of it. Like there's no, there's no noun for it. There's no pronoun for it. It's simply that he, or adjective for it, excuse me. He's simply dressing the way that he wants to dress. And according to Jeff Garcia, because he's not performing on the field right now, he can't do that. And that just seems weird to me. You're a former quarterback in the NFL you should be able to break down and tell the people that are listening to you what exactly is going. You played the damn position. Tell the listeners, tell the people that are watching you some analysis, like give them something, break it down. What is it that's struggling? What is it that he's having trouble with? Where is the processing issues? What's working? What's not working? Go that deep. Don't just sit there and talk about how he shouldn't be dressing away from the field. Yeah, that's what I want to hear from like Jeff Garcia. Like break stuff down, teach me things that I wouldn't know that only you would because of like your experience, you know? Right. Yeah, I'm with you on this, man. Like, that's just, like, who Cam Newton is. Like, win or lose. That's just how he dresses. He's been this way his whole career. Like, this is not news, man. Yeah, it's who Cam... Exactly. It's who Cam Newton is. Like, it's just the strangest thing to me, and I don't understand the fixation. Relax. Exactly. Exactly. Like, I don't understand the fixation with the way that Cam Newton decides to dress. And I don't... And I, I refuse to believe... And not only do I refuse to believe, I know for a fact that there's no correlation between that and how you, how you perform on the football field. Like, just stop. Just stop. Yeah, so I don't know. That's the, thing that's, been, that's the thing that's been driving me nuts and the thing that's wild. Like, my bottom line, just to be very clear and to put it all together, like, my bottom line is if you were a former quarterback in the NFL and you have been hired to be an analyst, then teach me something. Tell me something. Break down Love the it. film. Tell me what it is that is going wrong with the quarterback. Don't attack him personally. There's no reason. Yeah, you don't get to decide like what makes him manly enough, right? Right, right. Like that. It's so. It's it's childish. Is exactly what it is. It's childish. So that's mine. What What about yours? Because I know it pertains to some of the conversations we've begun to have. Okay, so we're gonna go back to the Rams here uh, mm-hmm. because all of Monday there's this huge conversation all day uh, that stemmed from Brian Burke at ESPN, who does a lot of analytics stuff for them, who had a take that Aaron Donald is just average against the run. which is wild. Okay, so, well, hear me out, because his take is, like, more nuanced than that. So here's basically how it goes. So he does uh, pass rush, run, stop, win rate and stuff, which uh, has a lot to do with the dots, the the tracking chips and, like, location data, and building off of that stuff, like, you know, did you get past the guy that was trying to block you? You know, did you get close to the running back? Did the running back get close to you? And then have to, like, Mm -hmm. change direction and stuff like that. And they used that to build a metric called... Uh, pass or like run blocking win rate and stuff. And in, in uh, run defense win rate, Aaron Donald only ended up being average on that. And when they went to go look at all the plays that like made him average, all the plays the model didn't like, they came away and said, oh, wait, actually, maybe the model has a point here. Basically that Aaron Donald always penetrates too far up the field. And then maybe he like gets out of his gap or something like that. Maybe he, uh, you know, kind of runs himself out of the play. He's susceptible to trap blocks and draws and stuff like that. And they said, well, maybe Aaron Donald is only average against the run. But what that does uh, kind of misrepresents, I guess, what the Rams are asking him to do. Because listen, Aaron Donald's Aaron Donald. He can, they're basically just asking him all the time to just line up one-on-one with someone and kick the crap out of them. And that's not necessarily typical run defense. Usually with defensive tackles and run defense, you're like asking them to hold their gap to get into a certain place and kind of hold it, hold the point and hold the point of attack, you know, be stronger than people and stuff like that. Not necessarily penetrate every single play, but the Rams are asking him to penetrate every single play because he's Aaron Donald. 
And then, you know, in the past, what you get is that creates a whole bunch of sacks. You've got a guy in the backfield every single play and like, okay, yeah, I dare you to run an offense with that. But in the run, I guess it is a little susceptible and he comes off of the run because sometimes, you know, you just want a heavier guy out there. So I think what the model is seeing is like non-traditional run defense where you see, you know, a player go penetrate up and then like the running back, you know, in like not affect the running back's lane. But the, the Rams are okay with that. That's what the Rams are like asking him to do. And so it kind of doesn't make sense. Like, he's Aaron Donald. You wouldn't want him to play, like, regular defense where, you know, like, regular run defense and just hold gaps. Asking Aaron Donald to just hold a gap would be like asking Randy Moss to just run clear-out routes in 2004. It'd be a waste of his talent and instead build a scheme that is, you know, built around, you're going to have a guy in the backfield every play. Now what? what's everybody else's job going to be? And, and the Rams' run defense is struggling a little bit because a lot of the other players are struggling quite a bit. Um, and, you know, his actual production isn't there because he's not really tasked with going and getting the tackle. He's tasked with going and being in the backfield and screwing up everybody else's angles. So the model sees that non-traditional run play and says, oh, well, he must be doing something wrong. When in reality, it's like unorthodox. But to ask Aaron Donald to play like everybody else would be like asking a fish to climb a tree. Yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense. And the other thing you have to consider about Aaron Donald is the type of plays that he generates and the opportunities that he generates for other players along the defensive line, even in the run game. Even though some of those other players might struggle against the run, if Aaron Donald is able to take two, three of your offensive linemen's attention, then all of a sudden that opens up run gaps that the, uh, or at least run fits that the other players along the defense are able to find ways to fit into and to plug up, things like that. So it creates that clutter, it creates congestion. So they're actually like, that's part of uh, Brian Burke's point is that he's not sucking up as many double teams as you would think. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's actually on purpose, like by the Rams. I think that's something mm-hmm. the Rams are actually like doing. They're trying to scheme him into as many one-on-ones as possible. You want Aaron Donald one-on-one, like if you're the Rams, right? So if you can mm-hmm. like design your front a little bit and design like your run fits so that you get Aaron Donald one-on-one more often, you would do that more often. And usually that's something that's like up to the offense, who blocks who, right? But if the Rams can like set up angles and kind of manipulate gaps and stuff. So you get Aaron Donald one-on-one that's like the opposite of an indictment of like Aaron Donald. So the mold doesn't even really apply because of what he's being asked to do. Right. That's just not the way to like measure Aaron Donald. And like if, if it ends up spitting out a weird score for Aaron Donald, cause Aaron Donald does a weird job. Like I think that's fine, but I feel like it's weird to prop that up as like a success for the model. Right. So instead of using the model and saying, here, Aaron Donald is average, maybe the correct approach is to say, he's got a low score here, but here's contextually, here's the context as to why. Right. And how that's probably not that bad of a thing. And you probably wouldn't ask the Rams to like use Aaron Donald differently. Yeah. That makes a ton of sense. See, this is what this is what we need more of. We need more of the context. We need more of the 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 understanding of system and scheme. And this is how we avoid takes like this. How we avoid takes like Jeff Garcia by actually coming through with more context. But you know what? Yeah, I want. That's why we're. I I want like Michael Strahan to explain. That's right. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But you know what? That's why you're here. That's why you're listening to Locked On NFL, and we appreciate you for being here. As always, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, we're here every single Monday through Friday with uh, fantastic hosts all throughout the week. Luke and I just have the pleasure to be here with you on. Tuesday. Coming up next, as we do every Tuesday, we're going to be joined by our good friend, Marcus Mosher. He is going to bring along a hot take, not really even a hot take. It makes a ton of sense, but he's going to be bringing something about his hill that he's dying on, which has been corroborated, not just by him, but another fantasy expert, Kate Majuk, who you've heard here on the show many times. Both of them have something to share, and Marcus is going to bring it to us here in our Tuesday fantasy form here in just a moment. 
All right, welcome back in, everybody. It's time for the Tuesday Fantasy Forum here on Locked On NFL, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We are here with Marcus Mosier, Locked On Dynasty, Locked On Cowboys. Of course, I'm Luke Braun, Locked On Vikings, here with Ross Jackson, Locked On and so, Marcus, today, Ross and I kind of uh, died on some hills, I guess. We we weighed in on some of the, like, hot-button arguments. So I know that there's some debate going on in the fantasy world with you and, like, with Kate. So uh, let us in on this oh, whole thing. Oh, man, Luke. Uh, so I'm a—yeah, I, I got a spicy one for you. So I'm a Mike uh, Evans believer, but if you have him in redraft— I don't blame you if you drop him now. I think he's borderline unrosterable. Uh, you know, without Chris Godwin in the lineup, he's been wide receiver 66 against the Raiders here in week seven. Two targets for 37 yards, no touchdowns. Last week against Green Bay, one reception for 10 yards. Uh, with Antonio Brown coming into the mix in Tampa Bay in the next few weeks, uh, you know, we, we're seeing Tom Brady distribute those targets in different ways. I don't think you need to have him on your roster right now. I mean, he's a, he's a flex play at the very, very best. Uh, you can go ahead and drop him now. You, you'll be all right. Wow. I, I never would have expected to hear that at the beginning of this season. You know what I mean? Like with Tom Brady coming in and what this offense was supposed to look like coming through, would not expect to hear but, wide receiver 66. But it's not a big surprise in terms of style though, right? Like one right. of the questions that we had about Brady coming in is, can he throw the ball down the field to Evans consistently to make him a wide receiver one? Uh, we're not talking about him as a wide receiver one or even a wide receiver two anymore. We're talking <laughs> about him. You know, would you rather have Darnell Mooney from the bears or Mike Evans for the rest of the season? Like these are real conversations that we're having and uh, it's, it's gotten bad in Tampa Bay for Evans. Oh, I love it. And, and we don't have any like evidence that this is going to turn around. I mean, Mike Evans is somebody that we have like so many priors on that he's like is very good at football. So like, how do we know that this isn't just like a cold stretch? And if you trade him away on the low right now, that he's not just going to like go off for the person that you traded him to. Yeah. So I think we all think Mike Evans is hashtag good at football, right? We've seen right. him for years now be just an incredibly productive player. It's just a bad fit with him and Tom Brady. Now, mm -hmm. he is doing things to help the overall offense, stretch the field. And I think Evans is still recovering from that hamstring injury a mm -hmm. little bit. But one of the reasons that we liked Mike Evans so much in fantasy in previous seasons was the downfield targets and then just the sheer number of targets that he would get every single week. Again, last week against the Raiders, two targets. Against Green Bay, two targets. Once Antonio Brown gets into the, this mix and he receives more targets and we're seeing Rob Gronkowski get more red zone and end zone targets, there's just not a lot of opportunity here for Mike Evans. And that's why the ceiling is so much lower now than it was, uh, let's say, at this time last season. Makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Wow. Okay, so let's say that I decide to move on from uh, Mike Evans in my redraft league, but I'm still looking for a flex. Who might I hit the waiver wire for at some point this week? Yeah, so there's actually two guys I think we need to talk about. And the first is uh, Jamichael Hasty, the running back for the 49ers, with Jeff Wilson going down, who is having just a monster game against the New England Patriots. Mm -hmm. uh, Jeff Wilson out for the foreseeable future. Raheem Mostart on the injured reserve list. It's pretty clear that Kyle Shanahan just doesn't like Jarek McKinnon. Jermichael Hasty is an undrafted free agent from Baylor. Uh, he's got the juice. He's, he's just a great fit in that offense. We saw him play extremely well uh, in his limited action. So 
don't be afraid to spend some of your fab budget on Jermichael Hasty. Hmm. And if you need a receiver, I've got two of them for you. Nelson Aguilar, five receptions for 107 yards and a touchdown for the Raiders. Very quickly becoming one of Derek Carr's favorite targets. We mm-hmm. saw him get nine targets in the week seven. He's locked into that wide receiver two role uh, there in Las Vegas. And then how about Scotty Miller? I mean, I know we just got oh. talk, done talking about Mike Evans, but man, Scotty Miller has been a, you know, somebody who's actually produced with Brady. It seems like this is the type of receiver uh, that Brady likes, uh, you know, in five games this season, he has three games over 80 yards, uh, two touchdowns. Seems like he's the guy that's now stretching the field. I'm not saying going out and dropping Evans for Scotty Miller, but at least monitor him for the next couple of weeks. He's like an extremely Tom Brady receiver. <laughs> very, very much Tom Brady receiver. <laughs> <laughs> he's like he's like a little bit more of like the he's a little bit more speedy though than the the guys that you're used to seeing. Yeah. The thing I like about Scotty Miller is that he's got the yards after catch ability, which I think you have to have if Tom Brady is your quarterback. Absolutely, um, and I'm going to throw one more name at you guys. Uh, I think Hollywood Higgins in Cleveland with Odell Beckham going down. Mm-hmm. Higgins is, again, somebody that we've seen perform well uh, over the last couple of years. Just hasn't really gotten a shot in this Kevin Stefanski offense as they primarily use two receivers. Uh, Higgins on Sunday with Beckham out of the lineup, six catches for 110 yards. I expect an expanded role for him going forward. So keep an eye on him in your waiver wire. Big fan of his. Um, do you have any other any other you know big names that we should look out for, anything like that here throughout the week or – any other uh, any tidbits for us as we go through and plan for week eight here? Yeah, so as fantasy uh, trade deadlines are approaching, mm-hmm. now is the time to get some of your offers out. And there are quite a few players on bad teams that you drafted early that you might want to consider getting out on. One, one example is Ezekiel Elliott. If you have him on your team, you likely spend a top three pick on him. That Cowboys offense isn't getting better anytime soon. There's also the possibility that this team gets out of it so early. Uh, so by the time we get to the, the fantasy playoffs, maybe Ezekiel Elliott's not even on the field. Mm-hmm. So if you have those kind of guys on your team right now, consider moving them now uh, before the trade deadline hits. If I have Mike Evans in a standard league, would it be a good idea to maybe try to get something for him? Uh, yeah. If you can get somebody with wide receiver three value or even flex value, I would certainly – uh, considered. I think you'll get more in a trade than what you expect, despite the lack of production, because the name is so big. Yeah, yeah, name mm-hmm. value there. Yep, exactly. So yeah, shop them around, see what you can get. Maybe maybe people are buying the dip here uh, on Mike Evans. I like it. I like it. Marcus, we appreciate you coming through and getting us ready for our fantasy, uh, our fantasy leagues moving in. I know I need a big bounce back week next week, so hopefully these moves will help us string all that together. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, guys. We appreciate you, bud. Once again, y'all, it is the Locked On NFL Podcast. We are so grateful to be able to be here with you on these Tuesdays. Myself, Luke Braun, for our good friend Marcus Mosher that joined us as well. You can follow on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosher. We uh, had an absolute pleasure being here with you, and we thank you to our sponsors, Pepsi, as well as Rock Auto, for getting us through today as well. And we thank you very much for joining us here on today's episode. Luke and I will holler at you next Tuesday, but don't worry. There's still another episode of Locked on NFL coming up tomorrow. Tony Wiggins and James Rappian coming through to let you know everything going on with the NFL to lead you into this next week. 
and get you uh, some of that NFL Draft Network news that you need as well with some of our good friends from over at the Draft Network. So we have all that coming up for you here as we continue on through the week here at Locked on NFL. We appreciate you being here. And as always, keep it locked.